Who has the power to forgive? And what if we don't? Today, we will explore the ways that Jews forgive others and what happens when we refuse. I'm Rabbi Jordan Parr, and this is Torah for Christians. Welcome to Torah for Christians. I'm Rabbi Jordan Parr. When somebody comes to us and asks for forgiveness, should we forgive him? What if she killed my brother? Are we obligated to forgive her? These are questions worthy of exploration. Several years ago, I read a fascinating book by the noted Nazi hunter, the late Simon Wiesenthal, called The Sunflower. What struck me most was the story at the beginning of the book. It went something like this. Immediately after the end of the war, a Nazi soldier found himself in an American army hospital. As he lay dying, he wanted to ask forgiveness for his role as a guard in a concentration camp. Unfortunately, all of his victims were dead. So from whom could he ask forgiveness? The book proceeds to provide answers to his questions from various people, including the late Elie Wiesel. We'll get to the answer later. First, let's return briefly to the last episode's topic, sin and forgiveness. We spoke at length about what is a sin, what we must do when we realize that we have sinned, that we must ask for forgiveness, first from our fellow human beings and only then from God. The request for forgiveness must be offered in person. We ask forgiveness from God every day, and as a community, we come together to ask for communal forgiveness on Yom Kippur, the holiest day of the Jewish year. It's clear that we should ask for forgiveness, but when a person comes to us and asks for that forgiveness, should we grant it? Now we are on the other side of the equation. We must decide whether or not to forgive. There are obvious cases when we should. It's easy to forgive another if, for example, a person forgot to invite you to his birthday party. If something is an honest oversight or something relatively minor, it's quite easy to forgive, forget, and move on. But that's not what we're talking about. We are talking about the big stuff. To return to our example, who gets to forgive the German soldier? And should we forgive the German soldier? Christian tradition suggests that forgiveness comes from God. And yes, in Judaism, God also forgives. But remember what I said earlier, before a person can ask forgiveness from God, that person must first ask forgiveness from the one he or she offended. In theory, this soldier could go to every living survivor and personally ask for forgiveness. Assuming that is even possible, do the survivors have to grant forgiveness? Let's go to the text. Rabbi Yossi Bar Hanina said, Anyone who asks forgiveness of his friend should not ask more than three times. This is found in the Talmud in Tractate Yoma, the Laws and Rules of Yom Kippur. Why three times? The first time a person asks for forgiveness, we may not think that he or she is sincere. How many times have we told our children to say, I'm sorry? And the kid mumbles, I'm sorry. The offending party accepts the apology because A, they are polite, 
B, don't want to offend the parents, and C, are in on the need to teach children how to apologize. Everybody knows that the apology is not sincere, but in the interest of teaching the children and not wanting to make a bigger deal of something that it is, we accept the apology and move on. We do move on in most situations as we should. But what happens when things get more serious? Do I need to forgive you if you have stolen my priceless family heirloom and pawned it? I'm emotional. I'm angry. I'm not going to forgive you the first time. But then you come back again, perhaps in a few days. Now tempers are cooler and much of the emotion is gone. Perhaps this time I recognize that you are sincere but I still cannot find it within me to forgive you for stealing grandma's priceless wedding ring. I send you off a second time. A week later, you come back a third time. I see you walking up to the door and I realize that you are truly serious. We have a long and frank discussion. You offer to make restitution. And then I finally accept the apology. I have forgiven you. But if after three attempts, I do not forgive you, you are absolved. The sin is on me. I am suffering the sins of overweening pride, arrogance, and stubbornness. I fail to recognize your sincerity. While your sin is not transferred to me, I have now committed sins of my own. You, the sinner, need only to ask forgiveness from God. You have done all that you can humanly do. There is a limit to your attempts. But now I must ask forgiveness from you, believe it or not, because I have put unnecessary impediments on your path towards repentance. That sounds crazy to be sure, but it means that we do not have to grovel to be forgiven. There is a limit to what we must do. On the other hand, there is also a limit to our anger and pride when someone asks us for forgiveness. We do not have to forgive but we do have to accept the consequences of denying forgiveness to somebody else. When we come back, we will talk about the three unforgivable sins in Judaism and then find the answer to our German soldier problem. I'm Rabbi Jordan Parr, and this is Torah for Christians. Welcome back to Torah for Christians. I'm Rabbi Jordan Parr. Before we return to our discussion of forgiveness, I want to thank you for listening to the podcast. Please remember to, te- to rate and review this episode, as well as previous episodes on Apple, Spotify, and other great podcasting sites. Also, you can like us on Facebook. What are the three unforgivable sins? These are sins for which there is no human forgiveness. Only God can forgive us for committing these infractions. The three sins are murder, adultery, and blasphemy. The rabbis of the Talmud had a very specific reason for saying that these three sins were so bad, only God could offer forgiveness. Simply put, these are activities for which there may be no witnesses. People can get away literally with murder if nobody sees the crime. Let's start with murder. There is a curious law in Deuteronomy, 
which states that if a dead body is found in an open field, we measure the distance from the corpse to the two nearest towns. The town that is closest to the dead body is declared the responsible party and must provide for a proper burial, as well as take the sin upon itself. The sin, by the way, is not murder. It is denying proper hospitality. Perhaps the traveler did not find a welcome in this town, decided to go elsewhere, and was murdered along the way. But who killed him? We will never know. But we do know that somebody did. He was not attacked by a wild animal. The difference between murder and being attacked by an animal is obvious. In the ancient world, and even in our world, with all our modern tools, fingerprints, DNA, cameras, and the like, one can still get away with murder. The murderer may never answer to a human court, but the murderer always has to answer in God's divine court. The second unforgivable sin is adultery. It's quite clear why two people in such an illicit relationship want to keep it secret. And sometimes they do, even until death. The spouse of the adulterer may never find out about the affair, or if he or she does, it may not be until the adulterer dies. But then that adulterer must answer before God, and then God passes judgment on the adulterer. Finally, there is blasphemy. Blasphemy is the act of denying God. Again, this can be done in secret. A Jew can secretly not believe in God, smuggle non-kosher food into the house, or spend money on Shabbat, all when maintaining an appearance of piety. This person is violating the principle of toko chavoro. The inside must be like the outside. In other words, this person has no integrity. He or she is living a lie. And only God can forgive when a person denies the Holy One. So what does all this mean for our German soldier? In Jewish terms, the German soldier cannot be forgiven for murder. By definition, any person capable of forgiving this soldier is dead. He may ask for forgiveness, feel genuine remorse for his actions, and seek to make good before he dies, but he cannot be forgiven. He is a murderer, and so only God can forgive him. We cannot, nor can the dead to be sure. No living being, not even the relatives of the murdered Jews, can forgive him. He has, in truth, committed an unforgivable sin. In conclusion, let me summarize the idea of offering forgiveness in Judaism. Only the offended party can forgive someone. The one who committed the sin must approach the victim and personally ask for forgiveness. For a sin against another person, Yom Kippur does not effect atonement until that person has already gained forgiveness from the offended party. Two, if a person commits a sin before God, only God can forgive. Yom Kippur effects atonement if that person comes in true repentance. Three, the aggrieved person has three chances to forgive the sinner. If that aggrieved person does not forgive the sinner, now he or she has committed a sin of their own. And the sinner, while not forgiven, does not have to ask again. Number four, there is no intermediary in Judaism. Neither rabbi nor priest can absolve anyone. 
direct action is the only way. And number five, there are three unforgivable sins in Judaism, murder, adultery, and blasphemy. Only God can offer forgiveness, and then only after that sinner's death. I want to thank you for listening to Torah for Christians. You can listen to and rate this in previous episodes on Apple, Spotify, or other popular podcast outlets. Also, you can like us on Facebook and Instagram. If you haven't started already, I encourage you to prepare for the new year by reading Resolutions by my friend, Rabbi Heather Miller, who joined me on this podcast a couple weeks ago. Her book is a daily meditation guide for the Hebrew month of Elul. It's a great way to prepare for the High Holy Days. Next week, we are finally ready to discuss Rosh Hashanah, the High Holy Day which marks the start of the Jewish year. We'll talk about its theological significance, various special rituals, and some wonderful customs associated with the holiday. Have a great day, and remember, how good and how pleasant it is for us to dwell together in unity. Till we see each other again. I'm Rabbi Jordan Parr, and this has been Torah for Christians.